Welcome to your sophomore year at the Tragedy Academy, where you are the teacher and we are the students. Together, we learn from past tragedy to lay the foundation for a better humanity. The only supplies you'll need an open mind and a sense of humor. So, tilt that chair back, talk out of turn, and never raise your hand. Because this is the Tragedy Academy and Class in Session. And I'm Pure Scott. Tragedy Academy, a show created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. My name is Jay, and today I'm joined by Andrew Nethery, film and commercial director. How you doing, Andrew? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. How about yourself? Doing real well. Doing real well. Been excited about this one. Um, Mike referred me to you. Uh, Mike Barker is such a, a cool guy when he was on, and anybody that he refers, I definitely want to get a a conversation with so doing doing good today nice yeah this is weird for me because you know i'm usually the one doing the interviews so now i'm like i don't even know how to approach it i'm gonna like step on your toes or i'm gonna be quiet and listen i don't even know what world this is right now so let's see how i do you know what it, it, i think that it's it's quite all right with me because i don't believe in interviewing people because it's just so awkward to me i can't have a list of questions i can't like scripts are really hard for me because I, I, I have to work off of people in situations and that's how we work in day-to-day -day life. So in this type of situation, I just want to know about, you know, your new documentary, uh, bury us a uh, punk rock uprising. Right. And I want to know about you and, and tell people, you know, what your passion is, how you came up with this and, and, um, yeah, that's it. Awesome. Yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Tell me, tell me what you want to, hear about you want you want the lowdown you want you got a question for me what's going on well why don't you tell us what bury us a punk rock uprising is yeah so uh this film is about the basque punk rock scene i kind of approached it as like a concert film but it's like really a lot deeper so the kind of like one-liner that i've been telling people is that it's a sonic journey through basque punk and like the turbulent past and the history that's defined that genre of music. And then chronicling the rise of this like underground Gasteche movement, which is basically all these like um, punk, well, they're a lot bigger than punk venues, but basically they're illegally occupied buildings that kind of support their culture, which has been historically repressed. Almost like a 50s like uh, Nazi swing places, things like that underground or, you know, the uh, the black culture having the uh, the underground bars and things like that where they could play music and stuff like that. That's super cool. Yeah. Before we go any further, because I know a lot of people won't know where Basque is. Can we describe that real quick just so they can get a context? Sure. So um, there's a few ways to describe it. There's the way that the Basque people prefer. And then there's like the the hard truth of the, the reality of like the Spanish state. So most of Basque country is in Spain. Part of it's in France. And basically what you have is you have a nation without a state. So the Basque country is thousands of years old, um, culturally, language-wise, they've been there for a very long time, but they don't have a country. So their land is in the northern, northeast of Spain, basically. So if you've heard of a city called San Sebastian or Bilbao or Pamplona, most people know Pamplona uh, from the running of the bulls, that's the Basque country. And then- Oh, Bayon. wow. So that's, that's actually where the uh, running of bulls is? Yeah, correct. Um, there's- a lot more nuance to this, but uh, you know, 
there's like different parts of the Basque country, but, but in the, the greater biggest sense that that would be considered part of the Basque country, Navarra technically, but yeah. So a huge societal and cultural divide there is what I'm hearing a huge divide and probably a lot of uh, anguish within that, just like any other uh, area that when yeah. we separate people creates some very uh, disharmonious situations. Yeah. Well, there's like definitely a long history of uh, repression um, under the Franco dictatorship, which people have not really gotten over. This guy was in power until mid seventies and uh you know, you still see the the lasting effects of what a fascist dictator will do. And, you know, people, you know, most people, when I tell them about this film, it's like, oh, man, I didn't realize Spain was this and that. And it's like, oh, well, you know, in a lot of sense, like Spain is great. Like, you know, I love the place. Um, but the fact of the matter is like Hitler, Mussolini, they were knocked out of power in World War Two, but Franco stayed until he died. And uh, his dictatorship was never ended. You know, they slowly transitioned to democracy um, after his death, which was decreed by the king. They still have a monarchy. Yes, they are a democracy, um, depending on who you ask. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of like this weird thing. I wouldn't say that there's like- That's a always a smoke and mirrors thing because we understand that that's a money issue when you're in that type of situation. Whether yeah. or not there's a monarchy or or that type of situation. I can see how, um, it, because I mean, France is, is in just as much of a situation because they're so divided with so many different cultures there. I mean, they, they, from terrorism to, you know, the misunderstandings between all those different divides. I can't imagine. So you're tacking that onto- Basque onto Spain. And then, I mean, you could even go to Madagascar if you want. Yeah. I mean, I, I will want, I do want to say like, I don't feel that there's like a divide in a way that's sort of, um, you know, these people are very open. They're very, um, you know, they're, they're modern humans, right? Like I feel that, of course, you know, they, they kind of get a lot of shit about like, Oh, you're Basque. Like, why do you want to be different? Why do you want to this? And it's like, no, 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 like, I don't want to separate. I just want to be known for who I am. And so I think it's important to talk about the fact that like, especially to me, like the younger generations, especially like millennials, etc. You know, we're all citizens of the world. Like we grew up on the internet. There are people, you know, you talk to whether you know it or not that are like from around the world just by the way of like typing on your computer. And so they're very much in that world too. However, it's like, hey, we have this language, like their language was outlawed until the mid 70s. And so the people in my film, they were the first generation to be able to legally learn their language. And so they're very proud of wow. the fact that that language hasn't died, you know, and that's, that's quite an achievement for them. Um, I digress a little bit here, but you know, that's no, sort no. of the context. I, I, actually, I love this. I love this because you're pointing out something that's very, it's, it's a micro and macro issue. And it's a situation where I, when you look at people you envy, because I'm going to say that the people in Basque may not realize it at, at certain points, but I feel like when someone is firmly authentic and they're expressing themselves with zero repression, that other people don't necessarily hate them. They hate themselves for not taking that step of authenticity to be them. So they represent everything that they won't do within themselves. And they're enclosed in two giant systems. These are large countries. And they've got so many people that have bought into it. And to look at them 
is to admit that they're in a situation that could let them be authentic if they were the other way. Right. It's a, it's, it's a boiler room. Yeah. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I lost my train of thought, honestly, but, um, it's just, there's so much beauty in the kind of history. And so I really got into this sort of world. I was touring with, uh, uh, American band through uh, what I knew was Spain. And when we got there, it was like, hey, these aren't Spanish. These are Basque. People don't call them Spanish. Like it's very offensive to them. And we were touring uh, through these gasteches, which translates to youth house. And these are squats, again, illegally occupied. They take over these abandoned buildings and turn them into culture centers. Um, part of it's political. A lot of it's cultural. A lot of it is like self-help. So they'll like have classes, whether it's like learn how to record, learn how to sew, learn how to like do things the where you can turn around and like add value to your life with these skills. Um, and it's like a punk rock venue. So it's like this crazy world of like revolutionary, you know, it's like, it's like a revolutionary culture center um, all tied to their sort of independence movement. Not all of them are tied to the independence movement, but overall, it's like very pro-Bass culture um, in a place where they've been sort of, you know, you look at like homogenization in our country, right? Like obviously the most um, horrible example is like what happened to the Native Americans. Um, and so like this is their response to that homogenization. It's like, yes, I understand like, there's a global world. However, like we're going to keep our language and tradition. So that's how I was introduced, right? I went to the, all these little uh, gasteche. So I was like, wow, this is insane. Like the richness of the scene and the culture and the history and like learning more about the history. I was just like, wow, like, you know, made some really good friends there. A friend like Peo Salaberia. He's the producer of my film. He's Basque. He's from a little town. He's very, um, you know, he grew up in this. And so, you know, we became friends. He's a filmmaker. He came out to LA. We lived together in LA for a while. And, you know, he just came out to try to learn the American way of filmmaking. And just like, that's how this film came together. It was just like, you know, when you're a documentary filmmaker, you don't like, you can't just make up a story, you know, a story has to find you. And it just became like, like, this is a documentary. How has this not been made? Like, I always used to tell him, like, how has this not been made? You know, granted, this story has been told in the Basque context and in the Spanish context and actually censored, censored in the Spanish context. Um, and so, you know, that was the kind of start of it. And then um, one of Peo's friends' band, a, a friend of Peo's, they're in a band. They came out mm -hmm. to L.A., met this fan, Nina Coyote, at the Chico Tornado. Coldo uh, Nusua, they're the main characters of the film. Uh, I pretty much love their music. And I was like, okay, here's the stars of the film. They're magnetic on camera. And there we go. Like then, you know, five years later, here we are. We finished it. So, yeah, long journey. What, what an amazing story. And I, I hear that um, when, you're, when you're walking through that, a lot of things stick out to me. And that's... Uh, that you put yourself in the shoes of the people that were actually um, in the situation. You walked through their culture and you went through these different areas. And um, another thing was that uh, you said that the story comes to you. And, and I, I firmly believe in that. I think that um, when you're acting in a manner that is authentic to yourself and if you're pursuing something creatively, it should come to you. Um, it shouldn't be something that you're seeking out. I think that it should show up on your doorstep. 
Um, one thing I'd like yeah. to point, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just saying like, you know, a lot of people never get that opportunity. I was just lucky enough, like this thing fell up and fell into my lap, you know? That's a great point. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. And that's, that's with every single experience for any other person anywhere else in the world. I think that uh, as creators, there's an onus on us to put forth a product that conveys a message, even if it's laughter or whatever it is, but you have to take that mindful moment because that's what humans are doing. They can't, they can't catch up with their own brain. They don't know what to do. So they sit on a couch or they look at a video for a certain amount of time to calm their mind, but they're going to take it an experience. And if you're going to be a, a filmmaker, a director, I love that you've chose a method to utilize that mindful moment to teach people what cultural oppression looks like. And then also, I mean, let's face it, punk gets a really shitty rap for wanting to be the most authentic group out there for wanting to just be themselves and nothing more. They don't hurt anybody. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> I grew up in Southern California and so like punk was everywhere. Um, I mean, it's, it's everywhere anyway, but um, you know, just a lot of like the South Bay bands, like Pennywise and like all this scene, um, you know, I kind of like wow. became friends with some Pennywise, of those guys. I heard that in forever. Yeah. Like they're, they're fucking classic. Um, but yeah, it's just like this crazy thing of like, you know, punk is so ubiquitous, but then when you look at like what the Basques have done, they've like, you know, I say it in our trailer, it's like, you know, for, you know, punk around the world is about, you know, revolution, but for the Basques, you know, it, it's like literally a fight and a struggle for their culture. Um, so it's just, it's like an added layer and an added depth. I love it. So in this, uh, in this documentary, is there particular moments that, uh, that really stick out to you? Oh man, it's like a blur. I've watched this thing like a hundred, now probably like a thousand times. <laughs> I'm, I'm asking you a loaded question, knowing that I've edited a lot of audio and things like that. And it just becomes like this big circle. It becomes its own living, breathing entity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot that stick out. And and another reason why I made this film was, um, you know, I, I started this film in the Obama years. And, uh, you know, you watched the sort of tea party at that time. And uh, the birther movement, which, you know, the man eventually became president. And you see this polarization in our culture beginning to be very pronounced. And I created this film as like a cautionary tale for America, frankly, uh, because it's really hard to talk in honest ways about what is wrong with our country. Like you can't, you can't do it. Like everyone's already has their mind made up. There's too much, there's too Agreed. much to like, like, I, I feel like maybe one-on-one -on -one people can talk, but like by and large, it's impossible to bridge the divide that we have in our culture. And this was a long time ago that I started this. Um, so anyway, what sticks out? No, no, yeah, let's, let's that, keep going on this way. I, no, I, I'm, I'm getting to it. Don't worry, I'm okay. getting to it. So what sticks out? Um, you know, I started this film as a cautionary tale for Americans because um, you saw it in Spain very pronounced, like there is a climate of censorship there that every time I would do an interview, like it was very, like, and you know, my producer as well, he's Basque and he's very conscious of this, um, what you can say, what you can't say, um, you know, especially as it relates to like wanting independence and like beyond that, I, I don't want to get into like the two details there. It gets very nuanced. And it's a lot of backstory, but basically it's so similar to our country. Um, and I feel like when you kind of take 
take an American out of our country and you put it in this world where you're like, oh, damn, like that's that's censorship. Oh, damn, like that's that's heavy. Like, wow, like that's repression. And then you're sort of like, yeah, and like, let's now like think about what that means in America. Right. And so to me, like the most the part that sticks out to me is like the theme that I built into the film, which was, you know, there's a climate of self-censorship in Spain. Um, people like artists are um, arrested, um, charged, um, it's like censored. The dark ages. Uh, yeah, but you know, it happens here. It happens everywhere. Like it, it's yeah, like absolutely. really obvious to like, you know, and I don't want to like hate on Spain. Like I don't feel that I, I have like a right, frankly, to shake my fucking whatever at Spain, the the country. But they're obviously isolated. Like, actually, there are a lot of incidents where it's just like, wow, like you guys are literally trying to send this rapper to jail. You're literally sending a, a comedian, like a late night talk show host, uh, to a judge for for words that he's saying, jokes that he's saying you're finding a Twitter user uh, to be inappropriate and sending her to jail or, or to court. She didn't wow, go to so jail. No freedom of speech whatsoever. Um, well, I mean, there is, but I mean, once you pick one word, there's none. They don't have uh, what we have. We have, you know, a bill of rights and they don't. And uh, for better or worse, right? Like there's the bad side of freedom of speech, um, but there's, to me, you need it. Like you need to have it no matter what. Cause like, once you get, you start litigating like, Oh, what's right and what's wrong. Like it's never going to end well. Um, yeah. Like this yeah, guy, that's um, an endless cycle. Yeah. And like, we could talk about it in the Basque context, but the things I'm telling you about right now, these, these, I mean, Twitter, right. This, these happened in the last five years. You know, there was a rapper who basically in his lyrics rapped about killing the King and now he had to leave the country. And he lives, uh, you know, in Holland or something. He's not planning on going back because he will go to jail. There are a few things that are similar to that, which, you know, you said you kill a king. Like, you know, people in America say stuff like that all the time. Uh, and yeah, just to go, to, go to our Twitter feed. That's yeah. Twitter is, is nothing but that. <laughs> right. For right. all of this to take place, I feel like you're giving them a voice the voice that they don't have as well as a cautionary tale. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Um, I am giving them a voice in an international context. I think, uh, internationally, a lot of people don't really know anything. I think in America, people don't really know a lot about the Basque country. Um, I don't know a lot about I, any country. Yeah. Well, that's, that's pretty true. We're pretty, pretty centered on ourselves. You know, I mean, I'm giving them a voice. I don't think that like, I don't, I'm not going to say that I'm doing a lot for them because they've done a lot for themselves. You know, like, I really don't think I deserve a lot of credit in that sense. You know, the people that I interviewed, they're the ones that stood up and said what they said. And I've, you know, this scene that I captured is like 40 years old, right? Like punk was like started in the 80s and it's matured and it's kind of, you know, they did this. I didn't do this. Um, you know, yeah, I captured it. I was lucky I found it. I'm bringing it to a new place. And I think I am pointing out things that like they are a little afraid to say, like, this is censorship. Like, you know, this is an American's understanding of a Spanish Basque problem, I guess. Um, I don't know if you know much about the uh, 
Catalan independence movement, which is another culture within Spain that has a very similar story to the Basques. Different people, different country. Barcelona is what everyone knows is Catalan. They have their own language. They have their own history of repression. And so um, I've always wondered how, you know, you have things like, you know, Portugal. And you got a whole different language that pops out of there that, you know, I mean, it's, it's obviously it's, it's a romance or a Latin language, but that is, that is a vast difference in such a small span of space, um, all within one country. So I think maybe, um, um, I didn't realize how sectioned the country actually is culturally, but I think that the misconception is that when a language pops up on a country, that that's what everybody in that country is. And this is Europe. It's not like everybody didn't walk there. Everybody came from one spot and they scattered around. So you're going to get so many different cross cultures, especially when you're a hundred feet from a street where there's another freaking country, just, you know, it's like zip code to zip code. So there's gotta be, it's been a melting pot long before the U S was a melting pot. And you can see that. And I like that now we're in a day and age where you, I mean, I don't think you give yourself enough credit because as a documentarian, there's a, that, like I was saying earlier, there's an onus on creators to, to put things in front of people with that amount of time that they're spending there. And I think you're making a very good use of that. And I would argue that everybody there, if you ask them, they would be very appreciative of what you've done. They'd have a much higher, uh, a much higher praise. Hey, academics. Have you endured life's tragedies, trials, and tribulations? Did you adapt and overcome? Do you have advice for others to pay forward and want to be a guest? Then email us a brief two to three minute video to show at thetragedyacademy.com and tell us how our academics can learn and grow from these experiences. Thanks again for your support. And now, back to class. We premiered the film uh, this past I saw Saturday. That. Oh. Yeah, okay. I was in, and we we premiered it in Barcelona, um, which is not in the Basque Country, but again, it's in Catalonia, which has a similar struggle and a much more imminent struggle. Um, you know, they voted to tr they tried to secede from Spain in 2017, uh, and the vote was like, you can't, you can't I, I even didn't vote know that. to do that, right? So think about this, right? You can't even vote to say, I want to be free, right? And like, I don't know, think about that in California, for example, you know, there's like this weird California, I'm cal from California. So there's like some people, oh, we want California to be its own country, right? So like, let's say you get enough people to put like, we want to be free of America on a ballot. Um, that is illegal to do. That is literally illegal. It's against the constitution of Spain to even bring that to a vote, even if it's just for a consensus. So they tried and it, they were completely like squashed. And I think about 12 or so of the leaders of Catalonia independence are all in jail now. And so anyway, we premiered it in Barcelona because it just felt right. And yeah, everyone loved it. It was at a Basque film festival in Barcelona. So yeah, they liked it. So yeah, I guess you we received did, an we award. Did you, you received an award for the film. Yeah, that was uh, a separate thing. So in uh, late 2020, um, the Los Angeles Documentary Film Festival awarded me with the best director of the festival. Yeah, huge. And it's amazing because uh, 
that festival um, has this background in this like amazing uh, man whose name is Parajnov. And he was like sort of a dissident in, um, you know, I don't want to like tell you too many details because it's like a kind of complex, complex history, but he was, he was also like very much censored for his artwork and he had to leave. It was part of Russia at the time, I believe. Um, And so anyway, like that was a really amazing thing to like be honored by that organization and that film festival. People that understand the struggle, it, it, when you come from the struggle and you recognize somebody that documented somebody else's struggle, that's that means that it resonated with them. So I, I can appreciate that. I can't wait to uh, to get my eyes on it. Um, I wanna I wanna see um, the entire thing. It immediately took me in from the first trailer because I could see that you capture what those people are feeling. It seems like it's from their eyes, which is super cool. I can't go any further though, without asking a question. And this is way off topic, but I just cannot forget it once I've seen it. What's it like to stick a 20 foot Slim Jim on a fucking subway car? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was great. Yeah. Yeah. To give a little context. um, I've done some work for the Slim Jim brand. And if you don't follow them on Instagram, you have no sense of humor whatsoever. That's, yeah, they're, um, you know, that I can't take credit for that concept. Like the people behind that are geniuses, um, friends of mine and colleagues of mine. Um, so yeah, they've like literally captured meme culture in a brand. There's no brand that does it better than Slim Jim. And so a colleague of mine, his name's John Lynn and I came up with this concept to, um, you know, it was kind of inspired by the, the sub, the Instagram account, uh, subway creatures. I don't know if you're familiar, but, um, no, I'm not, but I will. Yeah. Be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've lived in New York for about three years now. And there's one thing you learn, um, living here is like the subway is a very interesting place. Um, and so someone created an Instagram account, which is like the creatures of the subway, subway creatures. And it's just weird, weird stuff. And so um, our whole thing was like, all right, how do we get on there? Like, let's do something weird and bizarre. And so we created a 20 foot long Slim Jim and just like without any reason, just completely just like randomly wandered <laughs> around New York and like threw that thing in Times Square subway and like it didn't fit sometimes. And like, then, you know, <laughs> New Yorkers get a bad rap, by the way, like everyone was helping out like, Oh, let's get that's like, clearly it was a marketing stunt. And uh, people are helping like, to get it into the subway, like, because it's a 20 foot Slim Jim, how can you not help it? And by the way, whoever put this thing together, because I was looking at it, I was like, is this a fucking pool noodle, pool, uh, pool noodle in plastic? Or what is this? And I looked and Honestly, I couldn't tell because the plastic on the end of it looked like it had that, that, you know, that meat stick end in it. So whoever put that thing together made it look like a legit Slim Jim. Yeah, it was a real Slim Jim. It was? We ate it. No, no, no. I oh, wish. I was like, Jesus. No, it was, it was made by a professional fabricating company. I wish I could tell you the name because they, they nailed it. They completely nailed it. it. It was like real. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun day. That was a weird <laughs> I day. I was laughing hysterically. That's great though. Cause you know what? You're setting an example for people here um, because you documented the, uh, the people in Basque and, and their situation, which is amazing. And um, I think that you also set an example here um, because what I see is all authenticity. 
Um, I see a lot of creations where you didn't do things that were the cultural norm or what people would normally want people to say or act like or whatever. And that, that can be just being as silly as possible. And I think that yeah, that's an example. I mean, if I could do anything or just be stupid and talk shit and be silly, like that's who I am. And like this two-sided thing of like, the, I feel like weird, funny people also have this like brutal honesty. So maybe there's something to that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, they're, just, they're, that is true. Guy. Yeah. I'm just a weird guy making weird stuff. I love that though. Weird stuff is is what makes the world go round. If you don't have weird things, then everything just becomes black and white. It's it's not fun anymore. It's really hard to sell through weird stuff, just so you know. Really hard. Like doesn't not you have to see it to understand it, usually. I totally get it. I've explained the concept of this so many different times because I'm an idiot. Like there are things within the uh the last 70 or so episodes where I've, I've said some things I never thought I would, you know, being recorded, but I'll tell you one thing, um, recorded when you listen to yourself recorded for long periods of time, it's like therapy because you get to hear that inner child scream. You get to hear like, I'm trying to be noticed or other, you know, weird stutters and things like that. And you start to realize that shit, this is, this is actually, um, a lot different than I thought it was. And you get to see it grow. You get to see that it's its own entity. You get to try out things. It allowed me the chance to actually be myself for once. I, I'm appreciative of it because I think when you create, you kind of, you don't just create things. I think you discover yourself in the process. Yeah, definitely. Man, it's been a long road for me. I feel like I did a lot of really weird stuff early on. Like I started making stuff with my friends in high school and just like weird, just like Honestly, I was like cutting like VHS, like weird. Like I never worked with film. I wasn't that old. I love it. Yeah, like VHS, just like doing just the weirdest stuff. And like, it was weird when I went to apply for film schools. Like this shit's way too weird. They're not going to lie. Like, you know, and then so anyway, I got like a little more serious and I like learned how to do it the professional way. And like that Slim Jim stuff is like full circle. And, uh, you know, again, like I'm just building off of what they've done like that that brand is amazing, you know, and like, I'm just lucky to have worked with them, honestly. Um, the other one that we did, yeah, it's the other one full we circle. did is like, uh, you know, Slim Jim did this collaboration with Tipsy Elves, which is like, they make like weird onesies and stuff and like uh, costumes. And so they like, they made like a Slim Jim sock where you can like stash, you can stash a <laughs> Slim Jim in the sock and like, uh, you know, Macho Man, yeah, it's Macho Man Randy Savage, like the jacket, and there's like a Slim Jim holder here. And so, so like, <laughs> it's oh, warm yeah, too. that's it what you the want. Of your arm. Yeah. And, and your leg. That's amazing. Yeah, you, want you don't want a cold Slim Jim. That's degrees. weird. And if not that, you want it 69 degrees, by the way, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Hey, I'm with that too. That's the joke. <laughs> that's we actually amazing. did the first, um, the first branded or the first paid advertisement for Slim Jim on Instagram. And it was two sixty nine jokes. Like that's, that's what those guys are up to. I, I love that kind of humor because it's basically just making fun yeah. of everybody's hang up. Everybody's hang up. It's a fucking Slim Jim. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and what you guys are thinking about. I love anything that mocks the, uh, the, the overarching theme, but in a manner where it yeah. doesn't affront people. And that, that is, yeah. that is how you do it. You put a Slim Jim in a fucking sock. Yeah, exactly. And so for that shoot, we just like literally spoofed a hype beast shoot. So we got like this great stylist, uh, to like dress 
them up over this bizarre like macho man stuff and we got they had they made like a um like a uh just like all these weird things and so we put like legitimately styled outfits together and like hit all of the like major fashion spots like in Dumbo, (laughs) new york and just like you know you see the manhattan bridge in the background and like it's a joke like we just got a bunch of like instagram influencers to like pose like they were models and it was just so dumb and so great jesus though but how much did you laugh during that like how hard did you laugh like we found like a red vespa and i was like yo like go 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 pose over there like kneel down like and like it was it was just great i was like someone put that there for us like no like that was that was just in the streets like go yeah yeah we laughed nonstop. Everything started falling yeah. into place, I'm sure. Amazing places to stick this Slim Jim and, and make a good laugh. I couldn't imagine. That sounds like a dream come true to me, honestly. Because most of the time I'm acting like an idiot, you know, around the house or whatever, because I can't I can't deal with it otherwise. I need to uh, have that outlet. And then I get serious for a show. That's about it. But most of the time I want to be yeah, jousting well, with Slim Jims. Come, come out here and we'll, we'll get you <laughs> jousting with Slim Jims. That, that's easy. <laughs> Can I name the show yeah. Jousting with Slim Jims? I'm I'm, I'm just going to name this episode Great. Jousting with Slim Perfect. Jims. <laughs> We've had some uh, crazy, crazy titles over the over the years because it's like I always try to grab something from the show and and kind of throw it out there. But like one of the first ones, I used to have a co-host. Um, he's a writer now, and um, we did stuff like Fat Boots and Treadmills, T Rex Dodgeball, shit like that. Just completely off the wall stuff. I mean, the first thing that we created, we were talking about what it would sound like if a T Rex threw a dodgeball at a kid during recess. So we just, it's the first bonus on our show. Horrible audio. Like, I've, everything that I've learned has been over time in editing this stuff, but we just didn't go back and erase anything. So you can see the progress, but it's literally like a la Adam Sandler with uh, an intern we used to have, Jippy, where she's like, and now a T-Rex throwing a dodgeball at a kid during recess. And then you just hear some kid get hammered with a dodgeball and then it's over. That's the whole thing. That's the first thing I don't even know what, I don't, what is that Just even to give you an like, idea. I I, I, you know what? Hang on just a second. I might actually have that. Hold on. Do, 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 do. And now a Tyrannosaurus throws a dodgeball at a kid during recess. Oh my God. That's beautiful. You can't hear that. That's beautiful. That's bold, you know, that you're really sticking up for those T-Rex, the little limbs of those T-Rexes. You know, that's like a bold statement. Right? He had a gun. Did that you hear was, that, Cannon? Yeah, that Did was Did you hear that, Cannon? <laughs> So I, I do I do appreciate the nonsense that, that goes along with things like this. You you gotta you gotta have a sense of humor. Otherwise you can't get through the serious stuff like you just, yeah. you know, discussed. It it takes both sides. Yeah. You gotta have an outlet. In this nonsense world, like you gotta have a nonsense humor. Like, have you noticed how bizarre humor has gotten in the last five years? And I talk mostly about meme it's beautiful. Meme it's beautiful comedy. It's just like what wow. The darker, the better, if you ask me. I've always been a fan of comedy. I talk about this a lot. I'm a fan of comedy for especially stand-up in large venues and things like that, or even small venues, um, for two reasons. As, as long as it's a comedian that has, like, an understanding of reality, and most of them do. They, they're struggling. They're, they're, they're tortured souls, usually, so they see the holes in society. 
kind of like a Carlin, you know, but you use that platform to call out really, really, really important things, but nobody in the room is on the carpet. Everybody in the room can laugh with everybody else. They can be like, afterwards, they can be like, all right, I better not do that anymore. But they weren't called out in front of everyone, but they were. So they got to learn a lesson without learning a lesson. I feel like that's one of the best ways to bridge divides. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I grew up on Chappelle. Like, the man is a genius. <laughs> He's one of my favorites. I just had the Chappelle show on, like, two days ago because I found it on HBO Max. And I was like, son of a bitch, they have all the seasons. And it was playing in the background of the house for probably two days solid. My wife finally was like, you got to <sighs> so turn that good. shit off. It's still so relevant. Probably it's more beautiful. relevant now. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. It really is. It almost confirms every, it does confirm everything that was said then. And it just is repeating itself. He's such a, such an enlightened dude. He really understands things. One of my favorite, favorite artists out there. Yeah. I don't know what to say about him. He's he's amazing. Call me. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Yeah. He's great. He's great. Yeah. Yeah, And then he, he had to peace out for a few years just because the world was too, too fucked up. You know, people don't realize that. I think, I think celebrities get a really, really, especially actors and and musicians and stuff that really, you know, the artists that they really get a bad rap and they really get abused. But in, in all reality, they're the ones that are studying humanity to to replicate what it is that they feel or do. How the hell are they not going to know what people feel like or do? Nobody else does that. It's not like in school you become a method actor for a year where you have to be different people or something. Which they probably should fucking do. You want to learn empathy. Make somebody live like a homeless man for a day or, you know, a week. That'll that'll make you understand what it's like, you know. But um, they always get a bad rap. And, and you know, for all intents and purposes, they've seen both sides of the tracks usually because most artists don't come from money you know or anything like that so they struggled to get their art and then they have to struggle to defend their position next to it and it's yeah, super yeah, sad definitely i don't even know where to begin with that you know I, i've definitely have a couple friends that you know are big name people and you know there's like the perception of who they are and then there's like the reality and um you know obviously there's truth to both but um it's I, I can see how both lives clash in a moment, and then you're also standing on display for everybody in the world to look at. And nobody, nobody wants to because they're going to have the same human experience only on a, a giant scale. So everybody would not want a camera on them, their entire you know twenty four seven and everything they're doing. Like you can't even like catch a a, a hard booger when nobody's looking because you're going to get caught picking it. That sucks, man. Yeah. I don't want to be famous. I really, I have zero desire because I couldn't imagine not being able to pick my butt, you know, when I had an itch or something like that. That's not cool. That's too yeah. many Can we get eyes. Rid of these paparazzis already. What the fuck is that shit? Honestly, that that whole class of people needs to go away. <laughs> we need to not give them yeah, an audience. Right. Good luck with that. Yeah. That's the problem. Exactly. So long as the audience exists, as so long as there's a consumer of that horrible misrepresentation of things or isolated moments in people's lives, could you imagine being summed yeah, up in a picture? It's sad. A picture immortalized in your worst moment in life. You know, these shitty things people doing it never on camera. Boy, they would have a whole different tune. Also, how do you expect somebody to fucking operate? with a shit ton of money when they've never had it. The hierarchy of needs are really different for somebody that grew up poor versus somebody that's had money. 
and also everybody that mooches on him on the way. That's got to be an island. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'll take it, though. I'll take all that. Like, if if I got the money and the fame, like, that's all right. I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, they're, they're still they're still living a good life. Like, let's be real here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it. No, I, I agree. I agree. However, with with that, there's also it does have a, a there's a cross to bear. And I'm not saying there's not a cross to bear uh, with everybody. I'm just pointing out in this particular instance that um, they're not given the same type of empathy that you would give oh, to yeah, somebody no else doubt. standing next to them. No doubt. Which is no wrong. Doubt. Everybody should get equal amounts of empathy in that situation. Sure. I've, I've had so much fun talking with you. I don't want to monopolize all your time. And uh, I want people to hear about the uh, the documentary again. Uh, where can where can people find it? Yeah, so right now, uh, buryusfilm.com is probably the best place. Instagram, buryusfilm is probably the best place. We're working on premiering it in different areas, finding a distributor. You know, this is like a completely independently done film, like no help, no help. Wow. Uh, really proud of that. But honestly, it's a freaking pain. So at the moment, um, you know, we're just looking at different locations. Um, we're going to premiere it in the Basque country here in the next couple months. Yeah. The That's Los Angeles Documentary Film Festival. Uh, we weren't able to premiere it this last year because of COVID. So this year, and I think October, we're going to play it in LA, hopefully find a place in New York. Um, and along the way, find a distributor to actually get it out in mass like the way a film should be put out um but, you know i really like the idea of like putting it in theaters it's it's going to yeah. be recognized it's going to be recognized and somebody's yeah. going to pick this up it's art that's that's a great representation of this situation i can yeah. i can only see that happening it's just a matter of when fingers crossed yeah it, it it'll happen so yeah um you know we're looking to get it out to people as soon as we can but we also want to be smart about it so um, I wish everyone could watch it right now on Netflix or Amazon, but we're just kind of like got cross and T's, dot some I's first. And, uh, you know, putting a film in a theater is a special thing. And, uh, you know, so I really want to get this thing in theaters, even if it's like for one one show in one city or whatever uh, in different places. Um, this film has a great soundtrack. You know, the music in this film is amazing, hands down world-class and like to be able to get into a big theater and blast that do you have any you want to share with us um some bands is there anything that you can tack on to the show you can send something over i can uh or let me know something i can put it at yeah. the end of the episode yeah i'll send you uh i'll send you a, a couple tracks maybe a spotify playlist or something but you know just to be able to play play music loud in a theater like it's just cool like i'm just a big music fan so like i just want to blast some loud music and like show some people some stuff so that's that's what we're trying to do music it's not given the respect that it uh it should get the arts in general but music is is one of the best ways to heal a divide it's it just it's a different energy it's it's a it brings people together every single time saw it during the pandemic I mean, as soon as as soon as that happened, I mean, we we all bitch about how creators' lives changed, and you know the different methods with which to get your art out there are all changed. But man, how many more artists do we see now with brilliant concepts and beautiful art than we ever did in the past because they were forced onto their knees and given a different way, and you adapt and overcome. 
Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think it goes without saying that the thing that people miss the most is live music. Like everyone that I know, maybe I hang out with a lot yes. of music people, but I think across the board, at least in America, it's just like that is the number one thing. Just yearning for it. Yeah, my wife was really upset. They had a couple of concerts canceled recently. We've had tickets for a long time. Um, it's it's disappointing, but here where I live, they're they're starting to open it back up. But you know that's that's uh, wild, that's huh? Florida. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it's it is um you know uh Florida man on Florida man. It's a podcast that we're friends with um Wayne on that show. He pointed out something to me. You know, I've lived around the world, a lot of different countries, but then he pointed out something to me that I just did not. It never dawned on me about Florida, and that is that. It is one of the most culturally diverse states in the shortest distances that you will find just about anywhere. You will go from culture to culture in seconds in Florida, and you don't even realize it. It's so diverse. It's kind of like what we were talking about. It's that melting pot. But here, I think that people's heads might get poached a little from the sun. And then uh, let's face it. We know what this is like. California's got the same epidemic or, or, or issues with it. It doesn't snow here. So if you're homeless or you're impoverished or you want to be somewhere that you don't freeze during the winter and you can be without electricity, guess oh, yeah. where you're going to live? Oh, yeah. In a hot spot. It's just what happens, you know? And also there's a sunshine law here. Spring break forever. No. Well, yeah. Yes, it is. But the sunshine law is that anything that happens in the state can be released mm, to the yeah, news I heard that. immediately, whereas yeah, in other states it can't be. That's the excuse for Florida, man, right? That's your guys' excuse. Yeah. It is just, well, I mean, people don't get to see everything. Yeah. <laughs> Everything's sensational. No, it's, there There are some fucking crazy yeah. things that happen here. <laughs> some really crazy things. But, you know, it's, um, yeah. that's kind of yeah. everywhere now. Florida just gets the rap. It is. They're like the, the celebrity, the drunk uncle of America. Uh, no, I mean, it does. <laughs> <laughs> we are the drug we're yeah, the uncle randy sure. of america <laughs> just it's a we are the hold my beer state we have um it's definitely daisy dukes and and uh trucker hats and uh look ma and swimming across things people get bit by gators here that's that's yeah. natural selection um i have a problem I, I actually don't have a problem with that i mean if you're gonna swim with gators it's kind of like you know For you sure. get what you deserve um at any rate Dude, Andrew, thank you so much for, for coming on. I, I know this documentary is going to do great, and um, I know you're going to do great things. I I genuinely appreciate the uh, the time that you've given me today and uh, everybody out there. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate you having me on. You know, this is like pretty much a first for me to like have to talk. I'm always the interviewer. So, uh, yeah, thanks for bearing with me on that. That's really, really cool for you to have me on. And like, yeah, I love it. You know, thanks for doing what you do. Dude, this is amazing. I appreciate it. Um, it's it's a passion. So uh, everybody out there, uh, make sure you look up uh, Bury Us, a punk rock uprising. And um, thank you again, Andrew. And remember, everybody, be cool and keep learning. Hey, academics. Thanks again for attending another class at the Tragedy Academy. You can show us some love by subscribing, downloading, and rating us five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Or ask Amazon Alexa to play the Tragedy Academy podcast 
You can find links to all major podcast platforms and past episodes at thetragedyacademy.com. You can find us on all the majors of social media on Instagram at the Tragedy Academy 2019, on TikTok at the Tragedy Academy, and on Twitter at Tragedy underscore Academy, where we'll post our clips of upcoming shows, updated info, and thoughts. If you'd like to be a guest, send an email to show at thetragedyacademy.com. Keep an eye out on Instagram for Tragedy Academy giveaways. Thanks again for coming to class. And remember, be cool, keep learning. What's up, academics? This is Jay. I'm here to talk to you about Into the AM. This is a clothing and apparel company that I came across last year that has the absolute coolest designs. And the reason why I was attracted to it is because I grew up without a lot of money, like many others, and had to shop on that outlet rack with the irregular items. Things like the fly was over four inches to the left, or the right sleeve would be twice the size of the left. It looked like I was growing horizontally. Like, it's okay, honey, you'll grow into your left arm. So you really don't get a chance to express yourself the way that you want to. You go into life, you start putting on suits, you start putting on uniforms, and you realize you'd never had a chance to truly express yourself. Enter into the AM, a team of artists and creators who share a common vision. They see clothing as a canvas to express what drives you. Since 2012, they've developed premium apparel that elevates self-expression and provides unparalleled comfort for wherever your passions take you. Into the AM's passion for change is the driving force behind their brand. They remain committed to creating products that inspire and promote self-expression by partnering with like-minded organizations focused on giving back to communities in need. Last year, they donated 1% of all revenue from their Graphic Tees collection to the Art of Elysium charity. The Art of Elysium is an artist organization built on the idea that through service, art becomes a catalyst for social change. For over 24 years, the Art of Elysium has paired volunteer artists with communities to support individuals in the midst of difficult emotional life changes. They currently offer 110 community programs per month, serving over 30,000 individuals per year. The only permanent thing in life is change. Supporting charities dedicated to helping those going through these changes, trials, and tribulations require a never-ending commitment. The onus is on us as creators to affect change through our true, authentic talents, and Into the AM is the model of how this is done. Their clothes are handcrafted with care, they have a team of skilled artisans that craft each garment with the highest quality fabrics and eco-friendly inks. Not to mention, these things don't shrink, they don't fade, and they fit as if they were designed supernaturally. I'm stopped every time I wear one of the graphic tees to find out where I got it. The colors attract attention from miles, and the art is nothing short of spectacular, with designs for everyone. One of my personal favorites, Twilight Maiden. Go take a look. Into the AM does all of this while putting their money where their mouth is. 30-day money-back guarantee, lightning-fast shipping, and hassle-free returns. The deals are endless. Graphic tee bundles, discount promo codes. Get over there. Check it out. I'm highlighting the tees, but I'd be remiss to not mention that if you want to walk around in the absolute most comfortable shorts, joggers, and basic tees, hit up into the end. I even wear the basics to the gym. Head on over to thetragedyacademy.com. Go to our sponsors tab and follow the affiliate link to the Into the AM store. Help support Into the AM and the Tragedy Academy by purchasing the absolute best apparel and the best designs ever. And remember, academics, be cool and keep learning.